it down to dungeon. Lift yeah, um, and peeved. Lift and peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. It's a real word. It's a real word. It's a real word. I don't use it. Not in your vocabulary? Down to dungeon. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what is up? Good morning. Good morning. So we have a, a just a way to get us to the season. <laughs> Alex came up with this idea. We have a uh, we have a way to pass time. Listen to this. You're gonna love this. That's exactly right. Uh, will you explain it to, to the listeners, Alex? Yes. So we are doing a 64 item bracket. And the bracket has four divisions, just like March Madness. And what we are going to be doing, and you will be participating because we will put up the polls for each of these matchups, is we are going to do the most memorable Thunder moment of all time. Now, that is not the most important Thunder moment of all time, because if you do most important, then you have to leave out all like the fun and fun and quirky and random stuff. So this is most memorable. So just as an example, today we're actually, so we're splitting the divisions by eras in the Thunder, like Thunder eras. And this this week, we're going to do the early years, which is their first season in OKC through their third season. So through the season where they got to the Western Conference Finals against the Mavs. So this is the early years bracket. And so as an example, KD signing his extension, in July 8th, 2010. Very important. Super important. Did five years. No player option. Compare that to when Russ signed his extension after KD left. Both very important moments, but I think we would both agree that the Russ extension was much more memorable as a fan. And so we're trying to find those moments as a Thunder fan that you don't even have to like think about. You don't even have to look up anything. You don't have to go to basketball reference just the things that define being a Thunder fan for you. So like when you think back to these early years, what is the most memorable thing? It could be a play. It could be a game. It could be a series. It could be something random that happened off the court. What are those most memorable moments? And so that's the general idea of what we're doing. Does that make sense, Andrew? Total sense. Total sense. Okay. Okay. Do you want to go first? Since you have, sure. you have a lot more than I do. So, so, so today we're going to, this is like a brainstorming session where me and Andrew are going to go back and forth. We're going to be throwing out memories, throwing out memories. We'll be talking about them. And then at the end, we'll kind of get a general idea of which ones we think are the most memorable. And then I'll seed it and then we'll put up the polls uh, over the next week. And so each week we'll do a different division based on a different Thunder era. So I'm going to start with Andrew, just a random one. Just a random one. What about Serge Ibaka at Summer League? Oh, yeah. Serge, you, do you remember that? Well, I'll, I'll do you one better. I, so I worked at Midwest City High School when the Thunder first came to the city. And 
I got to see Serge Ibaka play like right in front of me at Midwest City's gym because they always pick some site for the blue and white game, some random high school. And it happened to be the high school that I was working at. And I got to see him like up close and personal. And I remember that day I sent an email to Royce Young (laughs) giving a scouting report on Serge Ibaka. Really? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) that, that's crazy. So you just, you were like, I just need to send this to Royce and maybe I get on daily thunder. Well, because like on, there's nothing about it on the internet. There's nothing right. that, like the, now like the blue and white game, there's people there like doing periscopes and tweeting about it and reporters actually go to it. There were no reporters there. There was nobody there, but just the, the community of Midwest city. And so I was like, nobody knows about this. Like Serge Ibaka looked good. Like he looked like an NBA player. He looked really good out there. Uh, and so I had to tell him, you got to go to the press. It's located in the Plaza district near downtown Oklahoma city. Uh, it's a great restaurant. It's a great place to take a date. It's a great place to meet a big group of people. It's a big space. Uh, they have two bars there, uh, and their food is just spectacular. I mentioned the veggie burger before. I'm serious. A lot of people are just like, just write it off. Every, when I mention veggie burger, they just say, no way. I'm telling you, go try it. Just challenge yourself to try something new and you won't regret it. Get it with the mac and cheese. Get really get anything with the mac and cheese because it's just that good. Uh, support the people that support down to dunk and eat at the press. And, and so I should mention some of these are, will be more personal ones. I think eventually we'll, we'll get to ones that are more applicable to all fans. But I, I have a, just to piggyback off of yours, one of mine was <laughs> most memorable is when I met Tabo and Serge at a Boys <laughs> Men concert right. at the Oklahoma State Fair, which this was the summer before Serge had come over mm-hmm. and he was there. But no one had seen him yet really outside of those Spanish dunk competitions on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I saw Tabo and I knew it was Tabo and I went up and asked for a picture, but I was too scared to ask Serge cause I wasn't positive it was him. <laughs> and I, and I still regret it to this day. Uh, but going back to the Serge Ibaka summer league. So in my memory, the reason I had put this as something that was memorable is because I think all Thunder fans were expecting what Bismack Biombo turned out to be. Yeah, for sure. And but it was clear from the beginning that Serge was much more skilled than that. Yeah. On the other hand, when this popped up in my memory, I went to Google it to see if there were any stats or anything. And the only thing I found was an article titled 10 NBA players who rebounded from terrible summer league performances. <laughs> so apparently he wasn't as good as I thought. Uh they he only averaged 0.7 blocks per game. But I do remember that summer league because he was so much more advanced offensively than we would have ever thought. And so it, it got me very excited at the, at the time. Yeah. You could see it. Cause he, he, I mean, he was shooting those mid range shots from the beginning. You're like, Oh wait, he can do that. Like, who is this guy? I, I mean, nobody really knew the, and the basketball coverage then was so much less than it is now. Like it's exploded since then, uh, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's crazy how hard it was to find some things from yeah. the early years. There's just no articles about it. No, no. Uh, okay, this is the earliest Thunder memory that you could possibly have is the unveiling of the name Thunder. 
Yes, yes, I have that. I have that. I think so. That must that must be a pretty memorable one. I remember where I was when I found out. I remember how disappointed I felt when I found out. I remember how lame it was. So Matt Pinto was the guy that was introducing everybody. Desmond Mason and Damien Wilkins were the two that unveiled it. <laughs> and right before they unveiled the name, they had a thunderclap and then the beginning of ACDC's thunder playing. Be- no, that sounds pretty cool, Andrew. Be- before they dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was just cheering and then everybody else that's like watching i don't even remember how i watched it i don't know if it was stream uh, d- did we stream things in 2008 i don't even remember but I, I remember we did have twitter though because i remember when the logo leaked yeah and it was like on a basketball Yes, before. and you and you were like, that can't be it. That must right. that must be a joke. Well, that, that can't be it. That's that's the Doritos logo. That's not that's not a our NBA team's logo. Now, did you have a preferred name back then? Do you remember if there was a name that you were actually hoping for? I think I liked the idea of the Barons because they could have used like black and gold, uh, right, for their colors, which I thought would have been cool. Uh, but it's not like Barons. It's like a really cool name, and they probably would have gone in a really lame direction with it, like they did the hot the local hockey team, where it's like blues and browns and stuff. It's like okay, well, I'm really glad they didn't do that because they, <laughs> right. they wouldn't have done it in a cool way. So that that was probably at the time my preferred team name. Also, yeah, I- you also you'd have a mascot that was uh, covered in in uh, in oil, and he is very slippery. <laughs> that would be a great mascot if he's just dripping black oil the entire time he's walking around right yeah everybody wants that um okay so here's here's a just a quick one that's thrown out it's not gonna be memorable but an example like scott brooks getting coach of the year like it's a, it's probably important in the history of the of the team you know that was a big moment for yeah. scott brooks to get recognized as like a second year coach but not that memorable <laughs> Well, they, th- what's crazy is that they went from 23 wins to 50 wins. Right. Yeah. Which is insane. Like now, nobody does that. Everybody like that thunder. T- if that thunder team somehow existed as the Lakers or if the Lakers young guys did what that young thunder team did. It, I mean, it would be in it'd be insanity. But people talk about them like they're doing what the thunder had did back then. It's I tried I tried so hard to find what the Thunder's over under was before that season. Oh, it had to have been in maybe maybe in the thirties. Yeah, I, I couldn't find anything. Yeah. So I, I don't have an answer. But I, I know that I, I did find some projections of playoff standings and no one had them in there. So Yeah. Um okay. A little more serious one. Uh the first home game. Yeah. Were you at that game? I was not. They played Milwaukee. Yeah. Wow. Great. Great memory. Uh, October 29th, 2008, home against Milwaukee. Um, It was an 87-98 loss. Listen to this Milwaukee lineup that night. Richard Jefferson, Charlie Villanueva, Michael Red, Andrew Bogut, Luke Ridenour, Teron Liu, and Rook Richard Mbahamute. Wow. I know. They sound pretty good. (laughs) <laughs> but it uh, turns out they weren't good because Mike Red and Andrew Bogut only played like 30 games apiece. Okay, that sounds about um, right. 
But the reason I'm bringing this one up, obviously it was a, a, a very memorable moment for me personally because I was there. Oh. Something I've never, and in fact, I still have the game program in my room right now. Wow. But something very embarrassing that I don't know if I've ever shared with you is that because I got tickets to the like the opening inaugural game, I decided I was going to start my own Thunderblog. <gasps> and I did. What? And it lasted exactly one game. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Is it still up? No, I, I tried to find it because I, I'm going to reveal the name, which is terrible. Yes. I wanted to make sure that no one would be able to find it. Maybe you still can somewhere, but the dumbest name anyone could ever <laughs> come up with for reasons that should be immediately obvious. I named my blog thundermagic.com. <laughs> Oh my god! As in another NBA team name. <laughs> wow. So maybe maybe I was thinking, you know, this is going to be a combo blog. You know, I'm <laughs> talking about Dwight Howard, <laughs> the Orlando Magic. Hey, the Magic were really good then. They were. Yeah. Yeah, but that uh, that lasted exactly one game. I I made one post and then never went back. You're right. <laughs> awesome i need to try to find thundermagic.com good luck tell me if you find it okay uh okay so my next one is the firing of pj carlissimo mm, you told me you found some good details some good deets on pj he was fired exactly 80 days after they unveiled the name where he was named <laughs> as one of the three pivotal players for the thunder moving forward <laughs> um pj carlissimo this is amazing. He started Kevin Durant at the two. He had Russell Westbrook on the bench. Mm-hmm. He started Earl Watson, Kevin Durant, Jeff Green, and Nick Collison, and rotated Johan Petro and Robert Swift for the for the thirteen games that he was a Thunder coach. Yeah, get this: the Thunder attempted double digit threes only three out of the twelve games that he coached. Wow, that's I don't even know how that's possible. In his only win as Thunder coach against the T-Wolves, they attempted three three-point attempts. <laughs> Kevin Durant had zero. <laughs> and they played him at shooting guard. <laughs> up, to, up to this point, the Thunder or the Oklahoma City crowd had never booed an NBA team. They had never booed the Hornets, probably mostly because they were afraid to boo them because we wanted to keep them so bad. Right. But in a loss to the Clippers, where they turned a 10-point lead into a 20-point loss, the crowd booed P.J. Carlissimo's <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder. I, I think that's a really good one because that, I mean, that set off, you know, by the, the fact that they fired him and then hiring Scott Brooks. Mm-hmm. Like, that whole moment really was very important, but it was also memorable because, you know, as fans, like you said, like, we were just super excited to have a team. And then what did they start out like one in 12 or something? Well, they went, so they went one in 12 with PJ and then they lost four in a row with Scott Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> so they were one in 16 to start the season. And then they won their second game of the season. Whenever Scott Brooks put Russell Westbrook into the starting lineup. So that's, that's when they won their second game. And then they lost eight games in a row after that. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think that the firing is pretty memorable, though, because, um, you know, as fans, 
obviously super excited to have a team, but at some point it was like, okay, well, I don't know if I signed up for this. Right. <laughs> it was yeah. bad. They and were really, really bad. We just wanted to see all the young guys, mm-hmm. you know, less Earl Watson. Right. And also something Scott Brooks did immediately when he took over as head coach is that he stopped playing Johan Petra and Robert Swift immediately. And like, those are his primary centers that PJ played. Like those guys were, were out of the rotation just like that. Uh, he started Nick Collison and then they eventually signed, and this would be a memory, but they eventually signed Nanad. So that was one of my memories. Yeah. (laughs) The Nanad Christic signing December 22nd, 2008, I remember being so excited (laughs) and it was because he had had this great season with the New Jersey Nets or so I thought, but I went back. It was, he only played 26 games that year Oh, and he had 16 and seven. But I remember in my head thinking, Oh, this guy scored 16 points. He's going to be really good. He's going to be our starting center. But it turns out that only happened over like a 26 game period before he got hurt in the 06, 07 year. Huh? Um, but yeah, the Nanad Christic signing, because I think everyone at that time, we knew center was a weakness. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was bad. Uh, both because of the talent and just visually, you know, Robert Swift. So Nanad, that was that was big time getting Nanad. And he had a cool nickname, Crispy. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then that turned out to not be that exciting. Yeah, they signed him to a three-year deal. They signed him. They had to sign him to a. He was a restricted free agent at the time, and so they had to sign him to a deal. And New Jersey did not match, and so he came to the Thunder. It was a big moment because the Thunder had. I mean, they were just desperate for talent at that point in time, and they didn't have a lot of ways to acquire talent. But they did acquire some talent later in that season, February nineteenth, two thousand nine. They traded for Tabo Cephalosha. They traded a first-round pick that would later become Taj Gibson, who would later become a member of the Thunder when Tabo wasn't there. But they acquired Tabo, and he became their starting shooting guard because at the time they were like starting Damian Wilkins or Desmond Mason, and everybody knew that that wasn't going to last very long. So they brought in Tabo and he was kind of a pleasant surprise and was one of the reasons that they went on to win 50 games the next season because he was so good. Uh, one of Sam Presti's like underrated moves was trading for Tabo. And I think uh, recently going back to the Nat thing, when people talk about uh, Sam Hinkie's process and, and people will say like, well, Presti was actually the first guy to really do the process. One major difference for me is that Presti still wanted to add talent consistently, even yeah. if it wasn't like necessarily a super young guy. So like the Nanad Christic signing, that's something that I don't think Hinky ever would have done, like bringing in sure. a slightly older player who you're going to make a starter. And and that's and I always go back to this with Hinky. Like I really do think if he had just gotten a point guard that summer when they they drafted Jaleel Okafor. I think it would have been gone vastly different. Sure. They had, they had nothing at point guard. Yeah. There's a difference between like at least attempting to be competitive and just not caring about being competitive at all. Right. Yeah. Just putting out a team that like makes sense and can play with each other. Mm-hmm. So for you, which was more memorable, the Nanad signing or the Tabo trade? Definitely Nanad. Okay. 
I would agree. Because I at least knew who he was. Because that Nets team was making runs in the playoffs, and you're watching him and Jason Kidd and Vince Carter, and you're like, who's this big white dude? And he was he was actually pretty good for them. So it was that was at least interesting. I had never really heard of Tabo at the time. Um, okay. <laughs> Next one for me, which I thought was a much greater experience at the time than when I went back to read about it. But the, the Byron Mullins experience, <laughs> BJ Mullins experience <laughs> for some reason in my head, I was like, wow, that was a crazy time, huh? He only played 26 games for the thunder across yeah. two seasons. <laughs> And it, he so he got drafted the same year as uh, James Harden. Yeah. So the 2009 draft. And it was a stacked draft. So starting, this is just the second half of the first round. Starting at pick 16, you had James Johnson, Drew Holiday, Ty Lawson, Jeff Teague, Darren Collison, Taj Gibson, who came two picks after BJ, Damari Carroll, who came three picks after, and then Wayne Ellington. And so we drafted BJ Mullins. And on draft night, traded, well, the Mavs traded him to us for Rodrigue Boubois and a second round pick. Big mistake, Thunder. Big mistake. Yeah, we, well, we thought it was a huge mistake after that summer league. Um, but I don't even remember, because I know that we were sort of covering the draft. Like, you were sort of covering the draft at that time. Do you remember who you wanted? Like, I remember the James Harden thing a lot more clearly than who we actually wanted at the end of the first round. I don't remember off the top of my head. No. Yeah, me neither. It was all uh, about that third pick. Right. That year. And I had very strong opinions about that. Whereas like nowadays, if we were in the same position. You probably would have done like multiple pods just on that late 20s pick. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, we <laughs> we did so many podcasts just on that 21st pick with Terrence Ferguson. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the Byron Mullins experience turns out not as memorable as I thought. Um, hey, hey I, I, Rodrigue Bobois in his rookie year scored 40 points in a game. Really? 40 points, three blocks, three assists, and eight rebounds. In and, the NBA? In 29 minutes. Wow. Yeah. So he was good. And he just got hurt. Yeah. So we were right to be angry. Yeah, totally right. Good. Um, so that was that was the Byron Mullen experience. Probably not that memorable. Uh, <laughs> but that same draft, I do think, in terms of memorable, the James Harden draft pick. Because oh, that was such a huge moment in the state because that was the Blake Griffin draft. Yep. And so in local media, all anyone was talking about was how can the Thunder move up and get Blake Griffin? Mm-hmm. Like It's very important that this team gets Blake Griffin. Um, and then even separate from Blake, I know you and I were obsessed with Ricky Rubio. Oh, wanted Pro- Ricky. Probably driven a lot by Bill Simmons. Driven almost 99% by Bill Simmons. He was pushing Rubio so hard. He kept making the same point over and over again, which is that Rubio had played against the USA national team. And He's 18 it, years old. Yeah, and he looked great. Like, you could play with him. <laughs> you could play. In the closing minutes, you could play. That was, that was that was all I needed. Yeah, that's um, yeah, but <laughs> I do think we, we both did like it's not like we didn't like Harden. We we liked the idea of Harden. He obviously made I didn't. Sense. I was not happy about it. I did not think it made sense. Just throwing that out there. I didn't really? I did not like it at the time. No. Ha, ha. Well, you have been 
proven wrong, Andrew. I couldn't. There are there are many things I'm wrong about, and that was definitely one of them. Do you remember the draft lottery for that one? That's one of my memories. Oh, really? I remember. I remember watching it at my house. So the Thunder were had the fourth best odds to get the number one pick that year, and so they ended up jumping into the top three. And they have that commercial break, and you're just so nervous. Scott Brooks was repping the Thunder at this event. And at that time, you really think, like, wow, like the Thunder have a chance to get Blake Griffin right now. And those thoughts really do cross your mind that you could have Russell, Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin. And at the time, everybody's play, everyone was playing big. And the Thunder didn't really have a big man. Serge Ibaka was not in the picture. The Thunder had Nick Collison. That was like their only talented big. And that was about it. So um, my wife is asking me if I've eaten breakfast. Yes, I've eaten breakfast. <laughs> um, and so like playing big made a ton of sense. And so getting Blake made a lot of sense. But then once when they got the third pick, it was like, okay, it doesn't, it wasn't clear. And obviously like James Harden is the guy. And, but at the time, like the thunder were on like the razor's edge of selecting Hashim the beat apparently like that right. was and imagine how different thunder history would be like they would have still been very good obviously right but you take Hashim the beat who was on the thunder like three years later on a minimum deal i mean that's the, the draft is so tricky and the thunder obviously made the right pick I mean, if you redo that draft, James Harden goes maybe number one, maybe number two. I think he between he and Steph Curry, it probably it could even be a toss up at this point just because of Steph's health. Um, but man, that they they made a tremendous pick to get James Harden, and obviously it didn't work out the way that everybody wanted to. But uh, that's that's a huge part of Thunder history and something that I remember like, vividly as a Thunder fan. So another another draft one, which I think I was with you for this, was the Cole Aldrich draft pick. Yeah, we were at y'all's house in Norman. Yeah, me and Luke were living together, and we were all there to watch this draft. And I remember when the trade was announced, which the OKC Thunder traded the 21st and 26th picks to move up to pick 11. And I knew it the second they did it that they were trading for Cole Aldrich. And I was so excited it's embarrassing to say this now, but I legitimately thought he was going to be Al Horford. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. That's another Bill Simmons thing. Bill Simmons really liked Cole Aldrich and talked a lot about how much he liked him to Chad Ford on his podcast. See, now I'm realizing that all of my opinions <laughs> in the early Thunder years <laughs> are just Bill Simmons opinions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was it was a big deal because the Thunder needed a center. They really they did. And it looked like they had gotten their guy. And it turns out Cole Aldrich just really isn't any good. Right. And, and then, that, in that same draft, the Thunder had, I don't was it like the 17th pick or something like that? 18th pick. Yeah. 18th pick. Uh, and they traded that for a future first uh, to the Clippers, and apparently they were going to select Avery Bradley with that mm-hmm. with that pick, is what I've heard from from people that have asked the Thunder. So, uh, um, uh, yeah, that one was memorable for me, just because I think of the aggression that we saw from Sam Presti, yeah, like moving up and grabbing his guy. I think that 
was an early sign of what Sam Presti was going to be like. Mm-hmm. If he wanted something, he was going to go figure out some way to do it. The idea that you could trade nowadays the 21st and the 26th for a lottery pick. Yeah. Like it seems impossible. Like how could you do that? Like I think the closest one was when uh, Sacramento traded back from I think ten and they got fifteen and twenty. Well, the Thunder did were able to do that because they took on Mo Peterson's contract. Oh, okay. I saw him in there and I didn't know if that was like a talent play or if there was some contract. <laughs> no, they he had a really he had a big contract that they needed to get rid of, and so the Thunder took on his contract. And that's that's how the deal was made, really, is that they were able to give those two first and take on his deal. I mean, that's what I mean. A lot of teams are just praised for for doing deals like that. You see Brooklyn doing that stuff all the time. Like the Thunder were doing what Brooklyn does, but they actually had talent on their team. Right. So may, maybe more most memorable of this whole thing was the the trade itself. Like yeah. I, they were moving up, taking on this bad salary to go get like a lottery pick. Yeah. Who I thought was Al Horford. Right. <laughs> uh, next memory, December 22nd, 2009, the Thunder traded for Eric Maynor. And so they traded the rights to a guy named Peter Fessy. There's not Peter Vesey, the NBA writer, but I would kind of wish it was. Uh, and the Thunder got back Matt Harprink, who had a big deal another deal where the thunder were taking on money in order to bring in talent uh actually matt harping works for the jazz now and i asked matt about that trade and he had no interest in talking to me about that trade whenever i approached him uh over the playoffs uh and so this is int- there's a lot of interesting layers to the eric Maynard trade so eric Maynard, first round pick thought to be like a really good backup point guard obviously everybody knows kind of the history of eric manor as a thunder player but the thunder had to waive sean livingston in order to bring in eric manor and then do you know who took over as the backup point guard in utah when eric manor was traded um guessing this wasn't sunday out of games no ronnie price oh <laughs> so many like weird thunder ties within that whole trade uh, I just like the more like I unpeeled the layers of the Eric Maynard trade. I was like, what is this? What in the world? Like, I didn't remember that. Uh, so yeah, some, some weird, weird layers to the Eric Maynard trade. Cause Sean Livingston at the time was hurt. And so part of the reason they traded for Eric Maynard is because they didn't have a backup point guard. And so they, they really needed a guy and they were able to acquire him. And Sam Presti said he really liked him in the draft and he was good until he got hurt. So, right. Yeah. And it's interesting. So that was the same trade that we've been talking about for BJ Mullins and James Harden and Eric Maynard went, there were five point guards taken in a row. It's amazing that all these guys were all in a row because four out of the five are, were really good. It would drew holiday, Ty Lawson, Jeff Teague, Eric Maynard and Darren Collison. Yeah. That was a really good point guard draft. Yeah. That was crazy. And um, nobody knew, nobody thought it was though. Nobody thought any of those guys are going to be any good at the time so i i think kind of piggybacking off of that i wrote down just the eric Maynard experience Mm -hmm. because i do think for a in terms of like the history of okc role players eric Maynard (laughs) has like an outsized role in our memory yes and 
I think it has, it has to do with a lot of things. I think one of the biggest things is that this was super early Russ and Eric Maynard was like this well-established point guard who played for VCU had like a really good reputa- reputation as like a floor general. He was like exactly the type of point guard that, you know, old man who likes basketball would enjoy. And so local sports media at the time were just clamoring for Eric Maynard to start over Russell Westbrook they because they just, they just viewed him as a better point guard prospect. Well, um, at the time, it wasn't even that they saw him as a better point guard prospect. Is that they saw Eric Maynard as a point guard and didn't see Russell as one. Right, right. That's true. And so everybody thought, like, why are they in the storyline, national media, even some of the local media, is why are they trying to force Russell Westbrook to be a point guard? Because he's obviously not. He's a shooting guard. What are they doing? And so the Thunder obviously did the right thing. Everybody else were big idiots. But uh, Eric Maynard came in. He was a steady hand. He played slow. You could see him kind of dissecting the defense with his passing. And Russell was just like this maniac that was just running up and down the floor as fast as he could, making really quick decisions, and they weren't always the best ones. But Maynard would just be able to pick apart teams, and he threw really great cross-court passes, and it was like, okay, that's that's a point guard. And they were about as opposite as you could be, because Maynard wasn't a real, he wasn't a good athlete, um, but he just kind of had you know, all the intangibles you would want out of a point guard. So maybe in terms of most memorable, what's actually, what I'm actually remembering is the, is Westbrook a point guard debate? Yeah. Because that really defined like those first couple that, of years. That needs to be one of the moments, like one of the top seated moments of this era, because honestly, that was one of the primary debates. If you were going to talk about the Oklahoma city thunder is why are they playing him a point guard? And that's why a lot of people wanted Ricky Rubio in the draft was because they thought you could play him next to Russell and you just run with those teams. Oh, man, that shooting, that shooting in that (laughs) backcourt. And, yeah, it would have been a disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Do you have another one? Yeah. Obviously Uh, you do. Yeah. uh, So just a quick one. That time that Earl Watson wasn't allowed in Oklahoma City Club because they didn't think he was an NBA player. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, I remember that story very vividly. (laughs) Um, So because of that, I started just looking up stuff about Earl Watson. And I found a Lost Ogle article back from that season about, or it was the season after the 2010 season, about Earl Watson wanting out of OKC. Mm -hmm. And so they came up with all these fake trades. They were doing the, the, the fake trade machine way back then. And just some of these trade ideas, just like a relic of time, like <laughs> suggested Watson to Memphis for Darko. Oh. <laughs> Watson to the Nets for Stromile Swift. Oh my goodness. Watson to Minnesota for Jason Collins or Brian Cardinal. Either one. Brian Cardinal. And then Watson to Milwaukee for Dan Gadzurich. Oh my goodness. Which obviously that kind of goes back to just the fact that Oklahoma City did not have a good center at the time. Needed a big man. Needed a big man. I remember I really wanted the Thunder to trade for Samuel D'Alembert. Oh, I love D'Alembert. I love Samuel D'Alembert. Especially when he uh, started shooting threes. One time I called into the sports animal and tried to talk to Al Ashbeck about Samuel D'Alembert, and he just made fun of me. (laughs) 
have, have, how many times do you think you've called in to Sports Animal? Once. That was the only time? That was it. And it scarred you? I just had no interest in doing it ever again because I could not have a... <laughs> I could not have an intellectual conversation with anybody. And I don't know why I thought I could. I thought, oh, I'm going to pull out a really good conversation with Sam Madallan. But nope. It was really, it was really bad. The only time I called was into Mark Rogers' show. That was a good uh, choice. He's, and, he's good. And it was the day that it came out that like Rubio's agent or something had said he didn't want to play in OKC. Yeah. And I just talked about E. Jean Leon. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that's good and, and then they banned me yeah. uh, okay another one so we, we kind of uh, alluded to this but so I, I think maybe just calling it like their first playoffs or and not even the playoff run but like the run to the playoffs yeah um, so they that team won 50 games. 50. That is, it blows my mind. Like, I felt like I was learning some of these things for the first time when I was like going back and looking at everything. It just, it just seems so unbelievable. After like researching the first season, like pretty thoroughly and then going to the second season, you're like, what? There's not a, there's gotta be a season in between here. This makes no sense. Right. Yeah. So that 50 wins that was tied. That's still tied for the most wins ever for an eighth seed. And yeah. What I thought was interesting was both the Blazers and the Spurs also won 50 games that year, which means that OKC was one game out of the sixth seed, Hmm. which is pretty wild. They increased their win total by 27 games without really a major roster change. It was basically just adding James Harden. Yeah. And then so so you have this team that like in this city that people aren't really taking that seriously. And then in their first playoff series, they get matched up with Kobe and the Lakers at like their absolute peak. Right. It's it's the biggest possible stage you could ever have for your first playoffs. It was amazing. That whole run up, especially like at the end of the season when like they're fighting for position and just realizing like what's coming and how huge this moment is in the Thunder's franchise history. And then one more thing about that team. This is from Wikipedia. They say that the Thunder became the youngest NBA team to ever make the playoffs based on average age weighted by minutes played. Wow. And it was, it was something like 23 years old. Um, and I think all their guys were, all their main guys were even younger than that at that point. Um, but that was definitely a big memorable moment in Thunder history, just the run up to the playoffs. Oh yeah. Yeah. And playing the Lakers, the Lakers coming into town. I mean, it was just that crowd. Did you get to go into any of those games? I did not. I went to three or I went to two of them and it was absolute insanity. I mean, it was loud from beginning to end. I went to one of the games that the Thunder won at home and it was just an unbelievable experience. I also got, so at the time you could get online and buy playoff tickets. Like they released them at a certain time and I bought like as many as I could, uh, like loud city tickets. Right. (laughs) I sold four tickets in Loud City, like some of the worst seats that you could get for 500 bucks. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Andrew. I put them on, I put them on Craigslist and there were just these bidding wars between oh, people. Man. It was, it was crazy. Like people were going 
crazy for this team. And I think a lot of it was the guy, the guy was a Lakers fan that ended up buying them from me. Yeah. And and he went to the game where the thunder just absolutely blew the doors off the Lakers. I felt really bad for him. (laughs) Um, but the crowd was just insane. And then obviously I think one of the biggest moments of that is at the end of game, game six, the thunder lose the game on, I mean, they should have won it. Pau Gasol ended up, what, what was the sequence? Do you remember? Yeah. So, and I put this as its own moment because I really think like when I think of that series, I think of this one play. Um, and so it was the final play of game six. OKC was up by one with five seconds to go. Mm -hmm. Kobe shoots a baseline fadeaway and misses. Nick Collison is in perfect position. Like he's right where you would want him to be. But for some reason he starts moving as if he's like boxing out someone behind him, like towards where Kobe is. I still don't really know what he was doing. So his man, Pau Gasol just goes straight to the hoop, goes right in front of Collison and tips it in. Series is over. Lakers go on to win the title. And, then I remember right after the final buzzer sound, they they gave the team a standing ovation, right? The, I mean, and not just like a nice cheer, but they stood on their feet and clapped for that team and cheered for them, like as if they had won the game, basically. Yeah, I mean, just like a kind of a to cap off that that run that they made and the season that they had. Like it was really cool because I, the crowd and Oklahoma city itself really understood like what a big moment that was to like push the Lakers like, like they did to win 50 games. Like you really felt like we were on the cusp of having something really special in the city. And it was, I mean, it was incredible and you could, you could feel it in the building. You could, it was, it was crazy. I mean, it was really a really cool moment. Yeah. I I definitely think that one uh, is going to be pretty high that that just final sequence yeah yeah i think that it i think that it has to be and like some stats from that game kevin durant had 26 points on 23 shots jeff green 16 points on six shots uh westbrook was one of wait wait that's just not even right hold on let me rephrase that one jeff green had 16 points on 12 shots russell westbrook shot 20 times at 21 points uh James Harden came off the bench, scored two points and they were like still in this game with the, this was the Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol, Andrew Bynum, Meta World Peace, Derek Fisher, Lamar Odom, the Shannon Brown Lakers. Yeah. Shannon Brown. And that was that, that Lakers team. If they were in the NBA today, would they be like the four seed in the West? <laughs> <laughs> like the the west wasn't that it was it's just interesting how much stronger the nba is today as a league right because that lakers team like that was a good team obviously a very good team there's just no way that team wins the title today there's just no chance um yeah i i totally agree with you i i mean it's it's weird because you go back and you look and it's like OKC had 50 wins as an eighth seed. So you think that in your memory, it's very like a super strong conference. But yeah, I do agree. Like this upcoming season, I would take these like eight or nine or 10 teams over those teams. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's just crazy how the how the league has evolved. Uh, Next memory is when the Tyson Chandler trade was rescinded 
Ooh, that is a good one. I just left that off my list, but I would definitely do that one. February 19th, 2009. I remember I was driving to, at the time, my fiance's house, and I heard it on the radio is how I found out that the trade was rescinded. And I was like, what? Because if you remember, the trade was Tyson Chandler for Joe Smith, Chris Wilcox, and the rights to Devon Harden. And that's like Tyson Chandler for nothing. And it was unbelievable because it was such a low risk move. Like looking back at it, it couldn't have been more low risk. Right. And if the guy like, and then the Thunder later traded for Kendrick Perkins who came in with an injury. Like, (laughs) I mean, it's just, the whole thing is pretty illogical uh tyson chandler obviously went on to be defensive player of the year won a title with the mavericks uh to and i've said this many times on the podcast to me this is the biggest thunder what if because i think that the thunder have a chance to go to the finals that year in 2011 because they went to the west finals already with the mavs they lost in five but if they don't have tyson chandler they probably don't even get to the west finals so I think the Thunder had a real opportunity there. And if they had Tyson Chandler, they may have done it. Uh, Tyson Chandler on the telephone after the trade was talking to somebody at ESPN. He said, this is absolutely crazy. I'm super shocked. This is nuts. (laughs) I do not remember that. (laughs) Uh, And Tyson Chandler was saying things like, okay, so here's a quote that Carlin Yates, the one of the doctors for the Thunder, still is, said, he said he doesn't know how long I'll last. He told me, I have no doubt you can play on it. I'm just saying it could take a turn for the worse if you come down on somebody's foot or hyperextended or something. Uh, uh, that's yeah. a really good one. That's That was definitely very memorable. <laughs> yeah. Could, it was. If only because what we gave up was so little. I mean, we really thought we had a steal. Yeah. You keep Jeff green and use him as a trade chip later on, or you keep him and make Desmond Mason really happy that you still have him on the team. Um, man, it's just, it, it is to me the biggest, I know the hardened trade obviously is a big one, but this one, there was a clear window to win a championship there. And, I think they could have done it if they had Chandler instead Uh, because obviously Chandler played really well against the Miami heat. And so that's who the thunder would have been playing. I don't know. To me, that's, to me, that's the biggest one. Um, Wow. We're we're starting to get some really, uh, some good ones up here at the top. Okay. I have four left, uh, one fun one and three playoff ones. Okay. So first the fun one, the Serge Ibaka dunk contest. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> 2011 all-star game i went and rewatched it last night oh, no <laughs> i actually think it's one of the best dunk contests because you had so this was the year serge Ibaka and demar Derozan were the two that got knocked out in mm-hmm. the first round and demar Derozan, like he's uh, he's probably one of the best natural dunkers like he was just doing just good dunks like yeah. no props and no one appreciated him and then Serge Ibaka, he had a legitimate free throw line dunk that no one seemed to like realize the significance of at the time, probably because he's a big man. Mm-hmm. 
And then the second dunk, which is actually so difficult, grabbing a doll off the rim with his teeth as he's dunking it. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Thinking about jumping up towards a rim and having to get your bite perfect. (laughs) I'm it. That's that's a very difficult dunk, Andrew. Um, It is. Now, this was the Blake Griffin jumping over the Kia sedan, which is still... And going back and watching Blake Griffin's dunks, none of them made me feel anything <laughs> in my heart. But you know what did make me feel a lot of stuff? All of JaVale's dunks. Oh, yeah. JaVale McGee, he did a self-alley, he self-alley-ooped a double dunk. Yeah. Two separate goals. One of my favorite dunks of all time. Yeah, that's a then fun he, one. Then he, less cool, triple dunked. <laughs> he dunked three basketballs at once, which was... <laughs> Not as cool. And then and then in the finals, he had a really nice, like, up and under dunk. And then he had a terrible last dunk. But I still think JaVale was robbed. Did he do the raised rim, like the 12-foot rim? No, that was uh, – I remember Dwight doing that. Oh, yeah. I also remember Dwight – remember the sticker one? Yeah, I, that era of the dunk contest was really not great. It wasn't, but this one was very good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, this one's not going to be going that high on the list then. No. Uh, okay. What about the perk trade? I didn't put it on my list, but but sell me on it. What do you think? February twenty fifth, two thousand eleven. The Thunder at the trade deadline. The Thunder at the time. The Thunder had no real big man, and this was a big man's league, right? You had. Uh, Gasol, both Gasol brothers on different teams. You had Andrew Bynum in the league. You had just these massive teams. And if you were going to compete with them, you needed to have a big guy. The Thunder had to add Kristich. It was not going to work out. So they traded Kristich and Jeff Green and got back Kendrick Perkins, who at the time was a championship level center, a guy that could anchor a defense, uh, was beloved in the Celtics locker room, if you go back and look some of the quotes from the Celtics, whenever he left, they were like depressed that they had traded perk. Uh, Kevin Garnett talked about how it was going to be really tough to play that day without Kendrick Perkins. And it really felt like, and I was at the game when the thunder played Kendrick Perkins for the first time and now some of the starting lineup, it felt like the thunder had arrived even more because they had this big guy, a guy that had been in the finals, won a championship that could come in and anchor the defense and kind of change the attitude. Because at the time, like the Thunder weren't like this tough, nitty gritty team. They were like this young team that was finesse mostly and had these really amazing young players. And Perk kind of brought all that together. And I know mostly we look at Perk as kind of maligned, but I don't i mean just like tyson chandler would have done the same thing but perk really did help bring that team together and push them because i don't think that they make the conference finals without perk they definitely don't get past memphis without perk that year right because uh, they play they went to seven with memphis and then played dallas and they ended up losing in five and blowing leads and, and things like that but that team went to the western conference finals so they went 23 wins 50 wins 55 wins and the conference finals i mean that is crazy it is and they do not they do not get to the conference finals without kendrick perkins um which some may say is a crazy statement but it's really not he he was really really important to thunder history 
Um, also, do you know who took over as center for the Celtics whenever Perk left? Um, I don't. Shaquille O'Neal. Oh. <laughs> what, was his, what was his nickname in Boston? Uh, the Big Shamrock. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, that, no, that's, that, that is a good one. Um, because Kendrick Perkins, even though he's not like a star, he was a name at that time. Yeah, so that we were trading for this guy that everyone knew just because of all those Celtics playoff runs. Mm-hmm. Also, Nate Robinson was traded to the Thunder, and Scott Brooks just hated him, <laughs> <laughs> which is really fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, this this is like a bigger thing, but just this exercise, like going back, it is wild how much history this franchise already has. Right, like in just a decade. Yeah even in just these three years, there was so much that happened. Like you couldn't do this with a lot of teams. Like you couldn't go do this for the last three years of the Sacramento Kings and have longer than a 15 minute conversation. That's exactly what I was thinking about. (laughs) Some of these teams have just been like out in the wilderness for like a half decade. Yeah. And there's like nothing really to talk about. Um, okay. So I have three, uh, playoff moments. Okay. So the first one I just grouped together, the 2011 Mavericks series. Yeah. And I called this the bad rest series because okay. it started by looking at game four, but then I started going back and actually looking at Russ over the series. So he shot 36% that series. Yeah. 24 turnovers, 24 assists, 20% from three point. It was not a good series for Russ. And the part that I had forgotten. Okay. So game two, the, OKC Thunder are down one game already. Westbrook got benched for the entire fourth quarter oh, in wow. favor of Eric Maynard. I did not remember that part. Yeah. So Westbrook gets benched. Maynard plays the whole fourth quarter. The Thunder win. They tie up the series. So now it's tied 1-1 going back to OKC. Game three and four are two of the most frustrating fan viewing experiences <laughs> I've ever had. I still think about them to this day. So game three... Dallas just killed us. They were up 22 heading towards the fourth quarter. OKC comes all the way back. They cut it to five with 35 seconds left, but they end up losing. But you're thinking, okay, like that, that was terrible. Whatever. We still have another home game. So then you have game four. OKC controlled the entire game. They had 15 point lead with five minutes to go at home. And then they completely collapsed. And when we talk about, the idea of bad Russ, and we, we used to talk about bad Russ a lot more in the early days. This is the game I remember. He was 7th for 22 from the field, missed all of his threes, missed half of his free throws. He had six turnovers. In the final five minutes, he was 1 for 4. He missed both of his free throw attempts and had two turnovers. It was one of the most excruciating losses at the time. And, of course, we didn't know at the time that the Mavericks were about to go on and have like one of the most memorable finals wins ever mm-hmm. everybody thought the Mavs were going to get killed right yeah um but that that entire series because it was so frustrating meanwhile the okc thunder were so far ahead of where they were supposed oh, to be that's there's no way that was supposed to happen like everything at that point was house money like we should have just i should have just been happy to be there but yeah. they, it felt like they were so close yeah even though they really weren't i mean they lost in five so and here's another example of the way that Kevin Durant was coddled while Russell Westbrook was blamed. In that same game, Kevin Durant had nine turnovers. 
to four assists, while Russell had uh, six turnovers to eight assists. Mm. <laughs> coddled. I just coddled him. I coddled him right now in my Ru- memory. Russell went seven of 22. Kevin Durant went nine of 22 and was yeah. two of seven from three. I mean, he, he obviously both are good players, but they both made some, some big mistakes and Russell's mistakes for whatever reason are just more unforgivable, I guess the way right. that the way that they happen. And when Kevin does it, you're like, Oh, it's okay. It's okay. He's, he's still just amazing. Now for you personally, that, that series, is it the series itself or do you remember game four as well? Like is game four, the most important part of that in my head during the series, I am thinking like, this is not the this is not their year like this shouldn't be their year and so i i don't know i didn't it didn't stress me out i was like man i can't believe they did that but i wasn't i I didn't feel like you did game four i just thought like man this team is so inexperienced they're so young like they they shouldn't even be here um so you were just a big pessimist back then you didn't you didn't believe in our boys like i don't know i was an optimist in that like this team is going to be great and just now is not really their time and that's okay. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'll move that a little bit down then. Uh, <laughs> okay. Two more one game four of the 2011 Grizzlies series. This was the triple overtime win. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, at Memphis and OKC won one thirty three to one twenty three. Memphis was up two one in that series. Game four was in Memphis Memphis was up 18 in the second quarter. So the way it ended was that Mike Conley, who was two of 12 at that point, hit a three <laughs> to tie the game with three seconds left in regulation. This is game four. This is game four. Yeah. Okay. And then Westbrook comes down bricks along three <laughs> first overtime. Mike Conley fouls out Grievous Vasquez, which I remembered it once I saw it, but he hits such an ugly three at the end of the first overtime to tie it. defending them but they were on him perfect and he just like shot it over them Vasquez was kind of crazy in that game I I remember and then KD comes down and misses a long three because that was the only play the Thunder ran at the end of games that should probably be its own thing (laughs) like the end of game like the last play it for real should be because that that would like and everybody blamed it on Scott Brooks but I'm I don't know if it was Scott Brooks (laughs) Um, I'm going to write that down real quick so I don't forget it. Um, Then in double overtime, Westbrook has a chance to win it, misses an off-balance jumper, and then triple overtime, KD's amazing, and the Thunder eventually win. 40 for Westbrook, 35 for KD. The Thunder tied up, and then they eventually win in seven. Um, But that was definitely one of those, like, franchise-altering moments because that's what propelled them to get to the Western Conference Finals in only their second playoff appearance. And it was just a huge win against such a veteran team in they the Grizzlies. The grit and grind Grizzlies, man. And that, that, they could never get past the Thunder. The only time they beat the Thunder was when Westbrook went down. Right, yeah. And in just, I mean, every time the Thunder played the Grizzlies, it was just a grinded out seven game overtime. Just a, I mean, I just, I remember those series probably more than most just because of the stress that was induced <laughs> during those series. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just every time they played, it was their styles just, they clashed a little bit and the Thunder just struggled to score at times against those Grizzlies teams. 
things would just grind to a halt at times. Obviously not in this game. What do they score? Like 133 points. But there was yeah. there were a lot of contests where it just felt like, man, the Thunder cannot score. And, and rewatching the highlights, I had totally forgotten like how big of a role O.J. Mayo had. Yeah. O.J. Mayo was pretty good. Um, okay, my last one, my final uh, suggestion <laughs> is the missed Westbrook dunk. This is from game two <laughs> of the 2010 first round series against the Lakers. It was 63-57 Lakers with 5.51 to go in the third quarter. In a half court set, Westbrook comes off the screen. He has a wide open lane, except that Andrew Bynum is right there, <laughs> legit seven footer. He has a free lane and he attempts this unsuccessful dunk over Andrew Bynum. And what made it memorable for me and why I still bring it up to anyone who will listen to me is that Westbrook, super young at the time, he sees Andrew Bynum, one of the best young big man at that time, and he makes zero adjustment. Right. <laughs> he just goes straight at him. He sees this huge seven footer who had plenty of time to get in position and challenge a shot. And he just decided, well, I'm just going to try to jump higher. Yep. And he almost did it. And it's one of those failed dunks that is somehow still better than 90% of successful dunks. And it was on the biggest stage of his career to that point, a statement from Westbrook that like kind of summed up his entire approach to the game. And so for whatever reason, that failed dunk attempt has always stuck in my memory. Russell's so great. He is. He, I don't know. I mean, just, I think part of maybe this too is just the rise of Russell Westbrook. Because right. he was not supposed to be this guy. And he became good really fast. And people spent way too much time criticizing him at the time when he was doing spectacular things night in, night out. Uh, it, it's it's crazy. I mean, obviously that is not a part of like one of our moments, but just selecting Russell in the draft where they did... I mean, it was a reach. Uh, nobody really knew what this guy was going to be. No one thought he was a point guard. They thought that he, I mean, the, the comp for him was Tony Allen because he won these defensive player of the year awards uh, in college. And he was just known as this defensive, just crazy athlete. They thought he would be just like supernova Tony Allen. And he could not be less of that now because of the way he plays on the defensive end and just the incredible offensive player that he's become. I mean, there's no question. Like no one in the world would question today whether he's a point guard or not. And a ton of that credit goes to the thunder because there's not, not every team in the NBA would have kept him as the point guard and would have just seen that through. A lot of teams would have caved and said, "You know what? They're, you know, these people might be right because NBA teams listen to the outside noise. They really do." And there's a chance that Russell, if he played for the Knicks or if he played for any of these other teams, they may have brought in a point guard to play alongside him. And the Thunder continually refused to do that. They brought in point guards that were good, but they were obviously the backup point guard. Uh, so it was. I mean, that in itself uh, is pretty amazing because you don't have this triple-double monster today if the Thunder tried to like pigeonhole him into an off-guard um, position. So it's just that in itself to me is kind of a moment that they, Russell Westbrook, not only like the arguing, is he a point guard, but the Thunder emphatically saying, yes, he is a point guard is, is right. kind of a big moment in Thunder history. 
Okay, so I think we've got a, a good list. So I'm going to seed them. And it, I realize it doesn't really matter how I seed them because the people are going to decide, you know. They'll, right. they'll let me know what's the most memorable. So I'll kind of get them in a general uh, ranking based on just our conversation. And then we'll start putting up the individual polls uh, on Twitter so people can vote. And that way, next next week when we come back, we can tell you who won the early years as the most memorable Thunder moment. Yeah. And then next week we'll be doing the finals run year and then the, the two injury <laughs> in the playoff series. This is, it's, again, this is going to be easily another hour plus long podcast because like, there's so much in all right. of these things. You have like the Kevin Durant MVP year. You've got just, I mean, it's going to be, it's it's going to be fun. There's just so there's just so much. You're right. I mean, easily, this ten year span is a very interesting book that could be written, hopefully uh, by Royce Young. So, last thing, I should probably give an update on our fantasy league. Okay. For yeah. Interest. Go for it. I had a hundred and two people. Oh no! Send me DMs <laughs> wanting to be in the league. So we decided to include the most amount of people. We're going to split it into two 16-team leagues with three down-to-dunkers in each league. So in the first league, it's going to be Andrew, Jay, and Mikey Barra. And that division is called the Hoop Daddies Hoop because, daddy. because they're all fathers. <laughs> uh, and then in the other division, it's going to be me, Luke, and Taylor, and we're going to be the Mutant Babies. Uh, but I'll, I'll have to explain that one. Uh, so I originally was going to call us the mute babies because they always get muted on the fry pod. Uh, but Luke said that that was hard to say. And so he was like, what about mutant babies? <laughs> I was like, well, that has nothing to do with what I suggested, but okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> so it's the hoop daddies versus the mutant babies. And so we're actually going to run two separate leagues where there will be winners in both leagues, but we're going to run it as a points league so that there actually will be an overall winner. Like the best team out of all 32 teams is going to win the most amount of money. Yeah. So, so that'll be really fun because then that'll, there'll still be like some relationship between those two divisions and we'll kind of keep them together. Um, so tonight, tonight, and I will, I will tweet details about this later. I'm going to do the unveiling. I'm going to do the, the selection of the listener teams, the 26 listener teams. I think I'm just going to, somehow print off all these names and then put them a hat and, and pick them out one by one. Okay. On YouTube, I'm sure it'll be so exciting to watch. Do you want to do it? I can, I can hook you up on the, uh, down to dunk YouTube page. So go, go subscribe to our YouTube page. Uh, you should be able to search down to dunk and subscribe to it. And, uh, I'll, I'll get you broadcasted on there. Sweet. And then, we're going to have two leagues, but they're going to be, we're going to do the draft lotteries for both of them on the same day. We're going to do the drafts on the same day. And if for some reason, if I, if I pick someone and then it works, it doesn't work with your schedule or something, you have to drop out. That's okay because we have plenty of people <laughs> who would also like to be in the league. Yeah. Um, so, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun and there is going to be money involved. So there could be big winners, big winners, Ooh, big money. Yeah. Awesome. Well, look forward to that. Uh, Alex, thanks for coming on the podcast. you got to follow Alex on Twitter at OwlBabyCakes. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our show at Down to Dunk. Continue to leave five-star reviews. You guys have been fantastic at doing that. It's been so helpful. It's something that we can take to our sponsors. It's something that we can... It just helps us get noticed. So when people see that we have this many five-star reviews and they take the time to read them, 
uh, it really does make a big difference. So I appreciate all of you guys that have done that so far. Hope you guys have a great day and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday. (laughs) 